This movie is too nice, which is a little alarming. I might say more about you than uh, <laughs> you want to know, but anyway, okay. He's got the right type of crazy where, like, you're just mesmerized by it. What were you doing that makes your face do that now? Huh? You know when the opening theme song is Cold Ethel, we're going to go to some dark, dark places. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Tom Howard, by the way, for the uh, song recommendation this week. Works perfectly for what we're talking about. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from MadWolf.com. Talking about death and sex this week. We've already talked about sex and death, so now we're flipping. Because we're crazy like that, and it's death and sex. We got some special guests. It should be fun, uh, and we're talking about. Well, actually, we have to kind of take some some mea culpas from last week because we were talking about farming frights, which was fun. And thanks to everybody that came out to the Gateway Film Center, we filmed the Fright Club live. But then we remembered one that we forgot. Yeah, and it's funny nobody pointed this out. It just occurred to me sitting in our house. I thought we didn't include the witch. Now that's a working farm. Oh. And, uh, well, it doesn't work very well. No, it doesn't. It does. No, <laughs> they are trying. They're, They're trying. trying really hard, and that would have been the best movie on the list. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. We've talked about it so often. Maybe it was a good way to work something else in there. By the way, witch fans, if you don't know, the dad, the actor that plays the dad from The Witch, pops up in a, a movie came out a couple of weeks ago called The Hurricane Heist, which. <laughs> It's a stupid, stupid movie, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, the actor Ralph Einerson, I think is his name, just chews all sorts of sorts of scenery. He and has the best voice. He's he got does. the coolest voice. He does, and it's glorious. So it's it's a lot of fun for a stupid movie. That's the Hurricane Heist. All right, so we talked about farming frights. We forgot the witch. Sorry about that. But now we're on to death and sex. It was what? How many? It was just a few weeks ago we talked about sex and death. Yeah, it was Valentine's Day. It was the. Well, of course it was. <laughs> So what, first off, then what, what are the differences? What differentiates this countdown from the last one? So uh, sex and death, we wanted to be really specific because basically, you know, sex plus death, that could be almost any horror movie ever made. So we were zeroing in on movies where very specifically, literally, you know, the, the act of sex leads to death. So not like Halloween where, you know, they're going to die because they just had sex, but like, it follows where it's a curse that you get because you just had sex. So we we were very specific about about that for that podcast. And then maybe this was a bad idea, but I just wanted to do one where somebody was dead first and then the sex happened. I might say more about you than uh, <laughs> you want to know, but anyway, okay. <laughs> and it was um and it was one of those uh, lists that was less fun to to narrow down than some others have been, to be honest with you, because there are so many. So we didn't go with just straight, you know, necromancy, although there is a lot of that on here. But there, I mean, there are some of those that just make you really hate yourself. Dead girl, headless. And, of course, Serbian film. So these are movies that you, you you watch and think, uh, you know, it's like if I could shower on the inside, if there was some <laughs> way to clean my soul afterwards. 
scrub my the, my eyeballs. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Um, but okay. there, are some, there are some on here that are pretty fun, actually. Okay. And well, so, and this is why we enlisted the help of the B Movie Bros. Yes, welcome in. It's uh, it's our latest bro down. It's Paul and Corey from the B Movie Bros. Welcome, guys. Thanks How's it going, Smith? It's good because we've both got our list of top five, and they're all different except for number one. We both have the same number one, and I think uh, before we started recording, Hope has already admitted to stealing your number one. Right, because we were uh, messaging each other, actually on St. Patrick's Day, and and the the bros were wearing some epic St. Patrick's Day costuming, by the way, and they said, because they wanted to get the rules down to be really specific, and they asked me... um, is it okay if they're both dead? And I remember thinking at the time, like, the hell are they talking about? So anyway, uh, they I hadn't thought of that first. And so then, which is to say, I'm just admitting to the whole anybody listening, I stole from their list because I hadn't thought of it because it hadn't occurred to me about that one little rule. So and, apologies. And as soon as Paul told me the topic, that was exact that was the first movie that I thought and even he was like, yeah, we need, we need, we need to check on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, remember, it's not stealing. It's creative license. <laughs> that's how we're, that's how, that's how what we're going to call it. So, But that's uh, that's way... That's we're sharing way, custody of number one today. That's right. There you go. Intellectual property. So that's going to have to wait a while because we got to count down first. And like I said, we each have a top five. So why don't we start with uh, you guys, the B-Movie Bros list number five in Death and Sex. What do you got? But before we start with our number five, can I give an honorable mention just to uh, kind of bridge your frightful farming to uh, to this? Absolutely. So I just want to give an honorable mention to um, one of the films we first watched you know, to start doing our stuff, Splatter Farm by the Polonia Brothers, because the, the killer in that, Jeremy, kills people and then like uses the body parts to get himself off. <laughs> Charming. It all takes place on a farm. It does take place on a working farm where he does all the work. Nice. So, <laughs> nice bridge. Nice segue. Without further ado, um, I'll let Paul get down to the, uh, the nitty gritty here um, with our number five on death and sex. All right, for number five, we have the, the Italian film Beyond the Darkness. And this is definitely a strange one. It's about a young man who his girlfriend died tragically, but he kind of keeps her body around kind of for decoration and to um, get off and... I mean, it, it kind of helps that as a as a hobby, he is a uh, that person that like stuffs dead animals. Taxidermist. Uh, yeah, he's a taxidermist. He taxidermizes for uh, for a hobby because you know he's a rich playboy. But in any scene that there's any sexual contact with another person, he has to expose her corpse in order to get hard, and um, that leads to some unexpected consequences with you know some more murdery experiences. Because that way he's still being intimate with his girlfriend, but in his weird, twisted way. It, when this film started, I thought it was going to be like Reanimator. It's like, oh, he's going to bring her back, but no, not at all. No, it just stuffs her. Yep. Yeah, he's just going to keep her pliable, really. This is one I had not heard of, so so thank you for that gift. I watched this a couple days ago after you sent me your list. And it's such an Italian horror movie. I mean, it just is. And, and the best kind, the kind that's dubbed. Uh, and there's this, like, creepy... I don't know what she is like she's his nursemaid or just this woman with a wears her hair in a bun. Who's the reason really that he's crazy. But uh, we were saying before the show, what I think is funny is that he won't 
just have sex with the corpse. But the things he is willing to do just makes you wonder, like, why that line exactly? Like, why is that too vulgar? But the rest of what you're doing is a okay. <laughs> yeah, murder is okay. You know, going too far with the corpse, you know, that's uh, ripping somebody's throat out is, you know, that's that's fine and all that. It's standard procedure. Oh. I mean, when you do taxidermize something, you do make it stiff all around. So perhaps in taxidermizing her corpse, it was too hard and tight. He couldn't exactly use her anymore. So, Lovely. <laughs> I mean, Lovely. I'm just, just, just saying it how I see it here, folks. <laughs> Understood. All right. So Beyond the Darkness. B-Movie Bros, number five, and ours goes back to 1990. It's the story of Howard, a shy morgue worker falling in love with a girl who ends up in the morgue, but he doesn't let that stop him. Living doll. She's dead. Nothing you can do will bring her back. But Howard is in love. And when a guy's in love, the thing he wants most is to be with his girl. Nothing's gonna come between us, Christine. Do you have a girl in there? No. I heard voices. That was me. Love usually ends when death do us part. But for Howard, it's only just begun. I do. Living doll, love is in the eye of the beholder. In number five, I mean, as is usually the case, there are a lot of a lot of options kind of came and went in that category, including necromantic. But, you know, Living Doll, I ended up going with Frankenhooker was another one that I was considering for number five. But the reason I, I kind of went with Living Doll is because I don't think anybody's seen it. Then that's always fun to do. Talk about something that might be new to somebody. It's not a good movie. But it's a surprisingly sweet-hearted movie. And I remember reading a review of it online where the, the reviewer, it was just a, a person who had, who had bought the DVD who, who complained, if I'm going to watch a movie about necromancy, I want it to be because the filmmaker cannot keep his mind off of necromancy. Basically, he was just saying, this movie is too nice, which is a little alarming. But um, Mark Jacks plays Howard, plays the morgue worker who falls in love with the girl who sells flowers outside the hospital who ends up inexplicably naked in the morgue. They never put clothes on this girl, but that that's actually pretty common in this list of movies we're going to talk about today. And he takes her home, of course, and, you know, and he, he you know, cares for her and she's his dead best friend and girlfriend. And one of the things that makes the movie work as well as it does is that the performance, Mark Jackson's performance, is sincere the whole time. So no matter how ludicrous the plot becomes and no matter how kind of weak other actors are around him you know he doesn't camp it up like this is he he treats this as as like a real human being that he's playing and it just makes the movie hard to turn away from so it's not a brilliant movie but it's so different from everything else that that I watched to prep for this because it is actually really quite a sweet film in its own dark and weird way you know, having seen many movies with people who work in morgues and having met several people that actually have gone on to make careers out of working in morgues, none of that surprises me, actually, how much they romanticize death and everything. Yeah, Living Doll kind of seemed like if Norman Bates was in a relationship with a corpse instead of thinking it was his mom. So that was my um, impression of that. I mean, wasn't he in a relationship with his mom who was a corpse? I mean, he was in a mother-son relationship, but... And I, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> also, though, Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt is in Living Doll, which I hadn't expected at nice, the time. Nice, yes. It's, that's never a bad sign. So number five is Living Doll on our list of death and sex. So let's move up to the bros. 
number four, and it's one that gets a thumbs up from me. At number four, uh, we're bringing the Cenobites into it with uh, the original Hellraiser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we had to end this one. Basically, um, Gaia comes back to life, um, wears his brother's skin, and has sex with his um, brother's wife, who he'd been having an affair with, and also tries to get with his niece, but he's unsuccessful with that. It's a really good film as weird as that sounds, but it, it definitely fits the criteria. Yeah, it does. And this is one that we've talked about a few times on the podcast because it's one of the few horror films that I have a great deal of love for and hope does not. I think I think it still holds up. I mean, sure, the, the production values are weak by today's standards, but it's Clive Barker's debut. But I think a lot of the storytelling is solid and it's still one today that I really like and uh, don't understand why you don't. It's not that I don't like it. I just don't like it as well as you do. But uh, you know, what I mean, but for this particular topic, it's great. And it's funny because the entire film, the whole, everything in the film is is very much about sex and about uh, you know, like uh, very dark and twisted areas that you know. Because Frank, he he starts this whole thing off because he opens the puzzle box because he needs to you know explore new and interesting and dark experiences, Pleasures. sexual experiences. And then you see the Cenobites, and, and your guess is that's why they're there. But you're like, what were you doing that makes your face do that now? Huh. So it's it shouldn't be a surprise that, you know, once he actually has some flesh, not that it fits that well, because it is kind of hanging, like, off the side there of his of his head. But that's something that he's going to be interested in doing right away. Like, the first thing is having sex with, I don't even know how he made that body. It's a bunch of other people's blood, and then, of course, it's his brother's face. So... Gross, but Julia seemed cool with it. She's great. She's the best character in that movie. Well, you know, outside of Pinhead. It's so fitting for us to talk about it on, um, you know, death and sex because I first saw this movie last year when we did uh, the month of March, which for us last year meant monsters are rather charming hornballs. And um, at first, I really didn't like it, uh, but the more I thought about it, like the movie really grew on me because it is so different than what. Um, you know, having grown up and seeing, like, all the Cenobites through their, like, action figure iterations and on posters and stuff, the movie's not about them. There's so much more to it. And at first it was disappointing, but then when I went back and watched it a second time, it really is, like, one of the best movies to come on the 80s. Oh, yeah. They're kind of like the gatekeepers of this depravity. Um, it's, like, just, like really odd, like, sexualized world where, like, anything goes... Yeah, and it's. I think it gets credit for being one of the first, especially in the 80s, coming during that time of slashers and final girls. It has a final girl who's not just a screaming victim. She's working out problems. She's trying to solve something, you know, intellectually, trick the Cenobites, you know, make a deal with them and trying to solve it and get out of it. I know... She irritates you, Hope, but you you got to, don't you see that though yes. as a character? Yes, yeah, it's a thing. I think that you, you, I, I don't dislike the movie. I just don't love it. Look, this has given me a chance <laughs> to play, <laughs> to get on your case. I'm going to do it. No. Uh, so Hellraiser, love that pick at number four. And ours, number four, goes back just a couple of years, 2015, when Anna Fritz, a famous and beautiful actress, suddenly dies. Then three young men sneak into the morgue to see her naked, fascinated by her beauty. It's the corpse of Anna Fritz. When a famous celebrity dies, three friends come together for one last look. A lot of people want your body alive or dead. 
she's just as beautiful in death as she was in life. You are dead, and dead people don't talk. She doesn't seem dead. Not at all. Ah! I reviewed this for the London Film Festival, uh, or the Fear Fest, one of the one of the horror film festivals out of London. We used to write for a website based in London called Screen Relish, and Craig would let us review basically any of the horror films that we wanted. So he sent us a list and I saw this title on the list and I said no, because I didn't really want to watch this because again, so, so I've mentioned uh, the film dead girl a couple times and I hate that movie so much. There's something about that, that I don't want to have to watch. So I actually watched, it took me three times to get all the way through the movie dead girl, which is about, you know, juvenile delinquents who come across a, a a zombie, basically a naked woman chained up in the basement of a derelict building and just do what juvenile delinquents do. I hate it. I mean, it's well written and the performances are good. So I, I did make myself sit all the way through it because I kept thinking to myself, maybe this is going to be like the woman where you think it's doing one thing, but it's really not. And it's going to subvert your expectations at the end and be brilliant like the woman. Dead girl is not the woman. Um, the end is as as I hate it. So it took me a while to decide that I was going to watch The Corpse of Anna Fritz because I was afraid it was going to be just like that. While certainly it's it's troubling, it winds up being a really clever and very short. So a really it's like 75 minutes long, like a really brisk move through sort of some similar themes as Dead Girl, but smarter and more satisfying and less. Again, less you, you feel less like you've just given yourself some sort of a stomach ailment from having watched it. Yeah, watching Dead Girl just makes you feel like a bad person the whole time through. Whereas <laughs> this one like only makes you feel bad like at the beginning of it, and then then it gets a bit better. Yeah, it definitely it's it's certainly not as satisfying toward the end as the woman is, but it starts to go in that direction where there's shall we say comeuppance involved. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean I think the performances are very solid all the way around. It's clever, and it's the thing is that it's believable in a very ugly sort of way, which in I think in a lot of cases, you know, if you, a lot of times these these the sort of sex with a corpse movies, they're really not. You're like, nobody, gross, nobody's going to do that. And this makes it seem, yeah, you you buy that it's that it's going to happen, particularly because of her celebrity status. So it's very it's unseemly, but not in a way that seems incredibly vulgar. Uh, but and and again, just because of the way it it ends it makes you seem like you're less of a bad person for having watched it plus the um in both films there's a guy who's not really cool with what's going on but in dead girl the guy just kind of stands there and then well he turns out to be a scumbag in the very end but in this one you know he he legitimately tries to yeah. do the right thing yeah that's so. right so that's that's our number four death and sex countdown the corpse of anna fritz from 2015 so we're moving up to number three let's go to the bros so for number three, we have uh, the all-time classic of reanimated. <laughs> now, I mean, a, a lot of people know this. If, if you don't, you know, it's the story of Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Herbert West reanimating corpses for the, the greater good of himself and uh, his ego. But um, he ends up killing and reanimating his uh, college professor, who then kidnaps his roommate's girlfriend and uh, tries to, af- you know, after being decapitated... His body holds his head and tries to orally rape the young uh, Barbara. Barbara Crampton, Barbara the all-time great Barbara That's Crampton. It. 
who's, you know, the Dean's daughter who, you know, is also dead and reanimated because, you know, reanimated, we reanimate things. <laughs> and then, I mean, it, at the very end of the film, now this is actually a deleted scene, which is included on the Bride of Reanimator special edition DVD that I have. But at the very end, her roommate does reanimate Barbara Crampton, you know, because he likes having sex with her so much. Okay. Um, so there is sort of like, it is and not, but at the same time, yeah, necrophilia is definitely a theme here. Oh yeah, plus like Dr. Carl Hill, played by um, like David Gale. I don't, I don't think anybody could have pulled that role off as well as David Gale. He's, he's, he's got the right type of crazy where like you're just mesmerized by it. Yeah, he's he's great. Of course, Herbert West. Oh, my God. One of the all time greatest. And maybe, I mean, one of the very best, like, mad scientists in horror movies. But yeah, David Gale, he's got that, you know, pompous air about him that that makes it very believable that even in death, I feel like I'm going to have sex with this person. Yeah, he's he's great in this movie. And it is one of those like iconic B-movie moments, right? The Barbara Crampton moment. And really, you know, Reanimator 2 also is, is you know, very sex and death heavy. Like, it's just a theme that runs throughout, well, the whole series, honestly. In Reanimator 3, you have a, uh, a reanimated penis that has been severed fighting a mouse. Right, so, ex- right. That's the one that takes place in a prison, that. right? You, you can never forget that part. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Reanimator, the bros number three, and our number three is just from a couple of years ago when aspiring model Jessie moves to L.A. Her youth and vitality are discovered by a group of beauty-obsessed women who will take any means necessary to get what she has, the neon demon. What's it feel like to walk into a room? It's like in the middle of winter. You're the sun. everything. You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. You're a dangerous girl. I am dangerous. So this is one, I mean, the whole film is certainly not about necrophilia by any stretch. There's just really one scene. Uh, and the, the same thing with our number two. And and for me, a, a lot of times, you know, necrophilia is, is tough to pull off for an entire film. Like it just really weighs you down. But when you just toss it in randomly into a, a horror film that's about other things, it, it, it gives it a little pop. And in this case, it's it's Ruby, played by Jenna Malone. And she's one of the really sort of coven that is is covetous of Elle Fanning's gifts. And the movie itself, uh, an Andy, I mean, we were disappointed in because we love Nicholas Winding Ruffin, the, the writer-director. Of course, he did Bronson. He did Drive, which is amazing. He did Only God Forgives, which I think George and I might be the only people who liked. But this was, we were really excited for him to do an outright horror film. And we were kind of disappointed in this, mainly, I think, just because he was the one who made it, because it's not in any way original, right? It's the the look of it and the whole storyline. It all feels very borrowed, slick and well put together and well acted, but but not not particularly original. So aside from the fact that Keanu Reeves does a good job in this, which was shocking, he's great in this movie. I think we were kind of disappointed in it. But the the scene where where Ruby, who does makeup uh for like corpses for a for a mortuary, 
she's so taken with Elle Fanning's character that there's a beautiful blonde corpse, as I'm sure happens a lot in this particular neighborhood in L.A., that she just kind of goes to town on this corpse. The whole film has got a lot of specifically unsettling moments, but this one, it felt like it was a natural progression for this character. And at the same time, you just were like, what the hell am I watching right now? Oh, yeah. I rented that movie a while back, and I just remember thinking throughout it, like, what is going on? There's flashing lights and all this, and, like, raves, and I don't even know. And then, like, that that scene happens. I'm like, oh, well, of course, why not? Like, uh, just It just reminds me of this movie. Um, it uh, starred Wednesday Adams as a corpse. Um, and she was naked the whole movie. Afterlife, and yeah, with Liam Neeson. And yeah, with Qui-Gon Jinn. And uh, you know, the whole time, like she's thinking that he's going to do something bad to her. And surprisingly, like there is no necrophilia in that movie, to my uh, remembrance. But uh, yeah, just made me think of the same thing. Absolutely. Sorry. So the Neon Demon, uh, our number three from 2016, and yeah, it's one that, as you said, we liked. We liked that director very much, and it has its trademarks. It's very colorful. And, you know, the way it moves, um, it, it, he, he loves to just bathe everything in color. So it looks great. We both kind of thought the, the story was a little derivative uh, for him. But a lot of people love it. A lot of people love it. And it certainly uh, fits the bill for this countdown. Moving up to number two, death and sex list. Uh, let's go to the bros. What you got for number two? Frankenhooker. This is um, pretty much what you'd expect. A mad scientist's uh, girlfriend dies. He decides to reconstruct her well, she, she doesn't just die she gets, she gets chopped like, up by an automated <laughs> lawnmower yeah worst birthday um, party ever right but, <laughs> yeah, yeah he decides that he's looking for um a new body for her and through a um a terrible accident involving exploding hookers um gets a bunch of assorted parts and you know does the whole frankenstein thing and of course the only reason this makes number two on the list is not for the actual necrophilia and, you know, her having sex with somebody and making them explode. Right, right. But the scene of the, like, thousand exploding hookers. It is just awesome. So badly done. It's it, amazing. It, I mean, they're, you know, clearly mannequins that are exploding. But it's just, it, it's such a fun visual. And the whole time he's like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. And it's, it's like, it's just hilarious. It is a funny movie, and it's a perfect choice for this list. And you're right. I mean, the 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 only real sex scene, post-death sex scene, which leads to, I mean, he gets, you know, because she's a hooker. So it's not like it's not not even the, the scientist who brings her back to life. It's some John, and then his head explodes. <laughs> it's a funny scene. It's a funny movie. And it is true that it's like the sort of refrigerator of still animated hooker parts. And, um, and that you... You feel so badly for her boyfriend, the scientist, that at the same time, you're like, you know what? If you weren't so preoccupied with your girlfriend not having to be fat now, none of this would have happened. This is really your fault, you shallow asshole. Pretty much, yeah. Frank and Hooker number two on the B-Movie Bros list. And for us, we stay with, we've, we've got a lot of recent movies on this list. This one from just a couple of years ago. After wandering a ruined city for years in search of food and shelter, two siblings find their way into one of the last remaining buildings. Inside, they find a man who will make them a dangerous offer to survive. We are the flesh. So this is one, it's a super weird movie, and it's like a, like a lot of the other films, you know, Hellraiser, for example, the whole movie is about sex. So it's shouldn't, come as a surprise again like neon demon this is all this made the list because of one scene 
and and it's it's one of those it, it shouldn't have been a surprise after what we'd already seen for the like previous hour but it always is kind of a surprise when somebody mounts a dead man it's just an alarming movie it's really well made i like it very much uh noe hernandez plays well the corpse uh, he's not dead the whole time and he's amazing his performance is his and just his face yeah he's great and and then the, the two young kids are are very good as well. And and in the I mean the whole movie winds up being kind of a parable about really overpopulation and and the plight of the youth in Mexico City. And that being the case, we are what we are, which is kind of the same basic concept. Disposable nature of a population, right? Yeah. But it's a much stronger film. Uh, we are what we are. The original, both of them actually are very good. But I like this movie anyway, even though it's, I mean, it's so vulgar. It's just one of those, one of those, oh, we're going there. Like, that's like, that should be a whole category of movie. Yeah, it reminds me in some ways, including the, the performance, knowing Hernandez you just talked about, with Baskin. The, I can see that. Yeah, the way it looks, it has that performance that kind of anchors the entire film. Yes, I can definitely see that. And where it, it's clear that after a time, it's clear that this is kind of a hellscape that isn't real, right? And which is the truth. I mean, you know, so it's it's got that kind of, surreal quality about it in this case it takes a kind of a post-apocalyptic view of things but it just the the longer you're in it the weirder it gets and that moment where fauna mounts dead noe hernandez's body is a turning point in the film which i don't think i even realized at first because everything about the movie is so bizarre and lurid that you're just at the time you're like okay then but things just take a downhill turn after that, and it gets even more and more bizarre. But it, it doesn't feel strictly exploitative. It, it's incredibly well done. You just can't believe what you're watching. See, we uh, we, we started watching it, and uh, we got to the part with there, where there was incest, and I was just like, I'm just striking this from my list right now. Yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely a surreal experience. I kept thinking, like, this is what... I'm, if Blurs of Montreux decided he was going to make a movie about incest, necrophilia, and other stuff, this is what it would be. But hey, we, at least we got a pretty awesome uh, drum solo from um, Hernandez <laughs> several times. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was pretty. pretty yeah, great. he's just he's just mesmerizing the entire time. You just can't, you know, right away. Oh, this guy's not going to be good. But you just can't really take your eyes off him. He just owns it. That's what made me think of the guy in um, in Baskin. Right. Yeah. And, and Fauna couldn't take her eyes off him either. So. <laughs> We are the flesh coming in at our number two, and that leads us up to a number one. And happily, after some creative license, it's uh, it's a joint decision at number one. A young man's mother is bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey. She gets sick and dies, at which time she comes back to life, killing and eating dogs, nurses, friends, and neighbors. The classic from 1992, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, something horrifying is haunting Lionel. Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got... What's your mother? ...has caught on with the neighbors. How do you kill something that's already dead? Your mother ain't my dog! Dead alive. And uh, exactly how this fits into the category is... After both the priest who kicks ass for the Lord and uh, the nurse are both bitten and uh, you know tranquilized and thrown into the basement, they start copulating and actually, you know, through their act, not only are having sex in death, but they also produce a zombie baby. So right. 
Because how else are you going to do that? Necrophilia, having the sex with the corpse, even if it's two corpses. I mean, necrophilia is just the sexual attraction to a corpse. So two corpses, double the necrophilia, brings you the necrophilia baby. How can you top that? You know, why is it that every time you guys co-host, you you break out some medical definition to explain why some movie has made the list? <laughs> We're very thorough at um at pulling reasons at reasons for things. And this is the you one we have to force them a little bit. This, this is a movie where I get to wear the collar because as we flip from Hellraiser, which you didn't, I, I don't like this movie at all. And I know I'm the odd man out. People have so much love for it. It's just. This kind of movie is not my bag. Just leaves me totally cold, so I will step back and let you guys have at it. Yeah, this is one, uh, because Black Sheep, right, which is clearly inspired by Peter Jackson. It's another uh, New Zealand film. Uh, Black Sheep, George Love. I think they call them Shambies in that, the sheep zombies. Yes. Yeah, Black Sheep, hilarious. But yeah, he he doesn't like, actually, he doesn't like any of Peter Jackson's early Early films, though oh, I you don't do. like bad taste. No, he doesn't. No, no. sorry. It a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but this one is—it's adorable, actually, and it's also like I think in 1990 it was the bloodiest film that had ever been made. Um, and it's not it, it just blood. Title, There's I a lot of pus. That title through the 90s as well. Until uh, the Evil Dead remake. Yeah. Oh yeah, that until they had a film that like literally it had, rained blood. Right when it, it rained blood, I don't see so anybody beating blood. that. And it's not just blood, of course. There's a lot of pus. There's a great deal of pus in this movie. And it is kind of funny that it's the that is the priest, of course. But also, you know, that it starts at that just the first big, di- not the first big dinner scene with the mother, but the first big dinner scene full of corpses where he's trying to figure out how to feed them, which was it's just a, such a funny notion because Lionel Cosgrove is so that guy. So that guy who would be worried like they're his house guests, this, this basement full of, of zombies that he's created. And then, you know, he well, he's trying to figure out how to get the one person to eat. Then the other two just go at it right there on the dinner table, which is lovely. Yeah, it's a good look. But still, kind of like Living Doll, there is something really sweet about this movie. Um, and then on the not sweet side of it, it, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this in the last almost 30 years. At the end, when Mother is a giant zombie, you know, Sumatran rat version of Mother, she opens up her vagina and actually, like, eats him through her vagina, which is... Of course, you know, a sexual act. So that even makes it more in this category. Well, the whole thing is he's like, he's used to being told what to do. He's basically a mama's boy. And it's, it's kind of his like way of get, of overcoming that. And the whole film is like him trying to like to do right and make everybody happy. And it's just amazing. Like at one point he's got the zombie baby in a carriage, like trying to like go through a park and everything. And it's, it's fantastic. It's, it is really funny because the whole movie is really Lionel. Uh, not ready to cut the cord, and uh, and then of course in the end, he doesn't really have much choice because his yeah his his mom has turned into a big giant monster of Oedipal proportions, and it's gross. I mean it's like the grossest movie ever, but it does have some really funny and weird ways of twisting the genre. And the the baby, the zombie baby, is is really one of the great inspired moments in the movie. I do have to talk about though um, another movie. Paul and I decided we couldn't put this on our list because it's not a horror movie. But the movie Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage, I think it is actually my favorite movie with any kind of necrophilia in it, which you don't realize until the end of the movie when you find out, spoiler alert, that Nicolas Cage has escaped from hell because he's dead. 
But there's a scene in that where he's having sex with a waitress and people are breaking into the room. Um, he's got his sunglasses on. He's having sex. He's got a gun in one hand and a bottle of whiskey in the other. And he's just killing people left and right. And um, Well, that's how you know, Nicolas Cage gets it done. <laughs> exactly. But that is that is my favorite necrophilia scene of all times. <laughs> all right. So there you have it. Our favorite eight or ten or so odd movies in the death and sex category with the B-Movie Bros co-hosting. So what do we leave out? Let us know. You can jump at us. You can reach out to us on Twitter, at MadWolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And uh, where can we hit you guys up on social media? Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at B-Movie Bros, or on my personal Twitter, at B-Movie Paul. We've also got our website, bmoviebros.com, or you can find us on Facebook, at um, Facebook-B-Movie Bros. All right, good stuff. And we look forward to our next edition of Fright Club Live. We invite you, if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, to join us at the Gateway Film Center right there on High Street. It's going to be Wednesday, April 11th, and man, we're going to show a great one. We're going to show Eyes of My Mother. So excited to get a chance to watch this on the big screen again. Just a beautiful, beautiful film, and we're going to do a podcast on mothers and daughters. All right, so we look forward to that. You can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're at Mad Wolf Columbus, and our main website is madwolf.com, where you can also find our other podcasts where we just review all the new movie releases every week in theaters and on home video, and that is The Screening Room. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So until then, get a hold of us if you can. B-Movie Bros, we thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. A little bro down. Thanks for having us on. We always love coming up. Appreciate that. And until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. Go, 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 go.